Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. As, as we cover this subject that's been in my heart for these last two weeks, and this is the third week, the paradox of Christianity. Uh, this will be the final week I talk about this, and uh, at least in this context. And then the next two weeks leading up to Christmas, I'm going to be sharing with you things surrounding the Christmas story and the, the virgin birth and all the, the, the whys behind it and a full understanding of, of, of why these things had to happen. And I want you to have a Bible understanding of Christmas so that you can experience the Christ of Christmas and not just the, the workload. Anybody feeling the workload of Christmas? Jesus, hallelujah. How many of you love Jesus, but his birthday, not so much? I'm just teasing. I love Christmas. It's a special, it's the warmest time of the year if you live in Naples, Florida. Anyway, I want to talk to you about the paradox one last week of Christianity. And let me remind you what a paradox is. It's simply this. It's a, it's a situation, it's a person or a thing that, that combines contradictory features and qualities. It's, it's uh, in Christianity, the virgin birth, that, that's a paradox. Uh, and so when you, when you understand what a paradox is, and I want to talk to you about the paradox actually of Christianity. One that I, that I saw that I think is so relevant, not just as an example, but in our everyday life is this, this paradox. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. I want, I want to help you understand even how that paradox applies to the paradox of Christianity. So many people their whole lives are, are not even capable of risk. They're not capable of, of taking chances. Not, I'm not talking about foolishness, but things that are birthed into their heart. They, they never know how to step beyond the fear or the, or the limits of life. Or they get so caught up in them, they lose the rest of their life. If you and I don't learn to, to, to risk something, we're going to lose everything. And so often as Christians, we get trapped in our past. Uh, this past weekend, we, we did the Freedom Conference here, and the Freedom Conference is, is born out of a 12-week small group called Freedom that truly is designed to, to free you from your past and your yesterday. At Victory, and I got my Freedom shirt on now because I participate. How many of you have gone through Freedom? Oh, come on, it's incredible. I think we're working on almost 3,000 people or so that have gone through freedom here at Victory. Come on, man, isn't that remarkable? And I'm telling you, make sure you go through that if you're a part of Victory. And I go to the conference, I get to do the last session and wear my freedom shirts. I want everybody to see Jesus wants you in some freedom. But that's why again and again you'll hear us say things along these lines. They're not just words. That we really do exist to help all people realize God loves them unconditionally because the bible said without knowing the goodness of god you can't be led on the pathway to turn your life to him till you know he's good you won't come to him and once you come to god i want you to understand there are four desires of god that are so burned deeply into his nature for you and this please hear my heart this isn't just if you're a christian you can be agnostic atheist you can ignore god hate god despise god and it doesn't change his love for you and that's why we exist to help you realize he loves you no matter what you do for or against him. It doesn't mean there isn't a consequence to rejecting him, but it means that his love doesn't change because of how you live. And, and he has this burning desire in his heart for every human being on the earth to experience four basic things 
that come out of his soul, out of his life, out of his nature, out of his being for you. And that's that you, number one, would know him, know God. And I don't mean religion, but intimacy, the word, an intimate relationship with God. Then secondly, that you would find freedom in your life. And it's why most people never get to the third, which is discover their purpose. Because you can't move to your tomorrow if you're trapped in your yesterday. That's why small groups at Victory are so very important. Because in those environments, you will actually learn to find freedom. We even have a whole small group called Freedom. And I'm telling you, Michelle, I've gone through it twice. Michelle's gone through it four or five times. She, she needed it more. And no, no, I'm just teasing. Come on, y'all need a sense of humor. Come on. People lost their sense of humor. I, haven't, I, you know, I didn't do an accent or anything. I just said, you know, the woman needed it more. No, she really didn't. She's just leading other people in, in, through freedom. And, and she's a part of the, 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 the entire experience when we do the retreat. I'm telling how many of you that have been to the retreat are thankful for those who pray for you throughout the whole retreat? I'm telling you, it's remarkable. It really is. But here, here's, here's the thing I, I, I want to help you to see. Until you realize this simple, simple truth, that there is a paradox within Christianity, that God wants you to know and find freedom, discover purpose, and make an impact with your life. But here's the paradox, God and man. How does a holy God deal with an unrighteous human being? And how do those two things ever come together in an intimate relationship? It seems impossible. That's the paradox of Christianity. How do I actually have a relationship with God where I can actually live like Jesus in my everyday life? Not some weird religion, but live like Jesus. It's the, not knowing the, the answer to this question, this paradox has paralyzed. Listen to me, please. It has paralyzed the spiritual growth and development of Christians. And it has driven people that don't want to walk with God away from God. And I'm going to help you. My, my hope today is to help you to see why and the solution that God's word gives us. First John 2 verse 6. The scripture tells us this. Those who say they abide or are in union with Jesus. How many of you would say that's you? Listen, listen to what he, he says we should do. We should walk and live just as Jesus walked and lived. Is that even possible? Are you like me? Do you ever read something like that and think, really? I'm going to walk and live like Jesus did. That's what I'm supposed to do. That bar is so high, it's almost like I'll give up before I start. And I want to help you today to understand there's a way to live this way. It doesn't depend on your strengths. It doesn't depend on your weaknesses. Your good days, your bad days, or your feelings. Or who did you good or who did you harm. It depends on Jesus, and I want to help you to understand how to walk with him and live in this life the way he lived. How do I actually do this in my everyday life? Jesus taught a paradox of something called an easy yoke and a light burden. Those two statements are paradox in and of themselves. There is no such thing as an easy yoke. There is no such thing as a light burden. But Jesus said, I, I want to introduce you to how to live this way where it isn't based on your shoulders. The word yoke is something we don't use a lot in our culture. But I have a picture of a, I think these are either oxen or cow. I can't tell the difference. So I'll just call them coaxins or something. I, I don't know what those things are. But if you'll notice, there's a, there's a yoke tying the two animals together where, they have, where their freedom is taken away. 
And then they are forced to do something that they wouldn't get up in the morning, look at each other and say, hey, cow, do you want to go dig and pull a, a, a plow all day? No, no, I think I'd just rather here eat grass and chill. But a yoke forces you and then it combines you with somebody. Now, listen, the way a yoke works is there's always a lead animal. And the lead animal will actually be the one that will, the other one will have no choice but to follow because they're yoked together. In marriage, the Bible says, listen, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Now, the Bible calls marriage a yoke. I thought you said it wasn't positive. Sometimes it isn't. Unless, unless the two of you are yoked to him. And so I want you to first understand the concept of a yoke when Jesus explains a light one. So let me read it to you out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus said this. Jesus said, come to me. Say it out loud, come to me. Hear this, please. Wherever you are, hear this. The son of God, the maker of the universe, said to you, come to me. Now listen, not perfect people. Come to me. And then he defines, listen, listen, this is the heart of God for you. Come to me, all of you. There are no limits. Nothing, nothing and no one can disqualify you from the love of God to invite you to, Jesus said, come to me, all of you. And then he really defines how we all feel often. Who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. How many people see walking with God that way? They don't. And I'm going to show you why. And how it's paralyzed people. And until the paradox is solved, it will limit your walk with God for the rest of your life. It will limit you from moving beyond your yesterdays. It will limit you from discovering the reason the God of the universe put you on the planet to make an impact beyond the circle and influence of your own life. These things are so unimaginably important. Listen to what Jesus said. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. You must take my yoke. Say it out loud. Take my yoke. You must take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Let me teach you because I'm humble, gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Jesus tells us to choose to take a yoke upon us. It's not a choice that a human being would typically make because a yoke takes away your freedom. A yoke is something that, that literally takes away personal choice. And so Jesus is saying, hear me. He said, come to me and, and take my yoke upon you. If you'll choose to do this, something will happen to you. Because whether you understand it or not, no matter who you are, no matter what your education, no matter how smart you are, no matter how difficult life it's been, no matter your gender, no matter whether you love God or hate God, I promise you today, you are yoked to something. Or someone you are yoked, yoked to one kingdom or the other one light or darkness there is no middle ground and I want you to see what Jesus is saying life will give you a yoke that will take you to a heavy burden but I'll give you a yoke that will lead you to rest now being yoked to Jesus hear this please this is so important leads you to freedom because it leads you away from the heavy burdens of life most people live so fully burdened. Years and years and hundreds of times by now, people have said to me in some form or fashion, Michelle will tell you they said the same to her. Please pray for me that God will help me to carry my burdens. That's like asking me to pray for you that God will help you commit adultery. 
God doesn't want you to carry your burdens. In fact, this picture kind of shows you how most of us feel sometimes. You ever felt this way with the burdens of your life? Come on. Anybody ever felt like that? That's exactly how it feels, doesn't it? And Jesus said, I, I, I don't want you living that way. I, I want to take that burden away from you. And when you come to me and yoke yourself to me, listen to what he said. I'm going to take you somewhere. Remember, in a yoke, there's always a lead animal, if you will. Jesus said, if you'll yoke yourself to me, listen to what he said. I'm going to lead you somewhere. Take my yoke, listen, upon you. Learn of me. And then he said these words. He said, and I will give you rest. Say it out loud. I will give you rest. This is so, it's, it's so hard to, to put this, to exaggerate this. Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke upon you. Now listen to this term. And you will find rest. Say it out loud. You will find. See, sometimes we think we're walking along and all of a sudden God just drops something on you and you're like, wow, there's my rest. There's my peace. There's my blessing. No, no, no. He said, if you'll yoke with me in a relationship, say relationship. And see, the word yoke is used in a positive context in relationships when you're yoked in marriage. He said, if you'll yield to me and if you'll go where I lead you, how do I do that, Jesus? I'm going to show you in a moment. It's so simple. I want you to actually follow the way I lived. When you do, I'm going to lead you somewhere. Now listen, and you will find, you will find, not God will make you see, you will actually discover the rest you long for. You will actually discover the uniqueness of the power of God for your individual life. It's the, these things are so amazing that they're available to us. Jesus will lead you, please hear this, to find the, the treasures of your life that are really hidden in plain sight. You'll never find them if you're not yoked to him. But when you're yoked to him, the treasures that were once hidden become open. They're actually revealed. They're treasures that when you walk with him that were hidden but now are in plain sight. How many people would long to have a relationship with God like that? Everybody. But why is it that we don't? You see, we understand that Jesus' yoke was simply this. All it, when he said, follow me, here's what he's saying. Just follow my everyday disciplines. Live the way I lived. I want you to do the things I did with my life. Because if you live the way I lived, if you walk as I walk, then you will be yoked to me. And you will find rest for your soul. And I will take you places. I will take you places because you're yoked. I can take you places as God in flesh, the son of the living God. I can take you places that you can never go on your own and you can never make yourself free. What an amazing God we serve. And I'm going to read the disciplines of Jesus to you. And I'm not going to take time to explain them because I want you to feel overwhelmed for a moment as I do. Because when you read these, I want you to see how we pull the relationship aspect out of this and we make them rules and disciplines. And I have to get up at four in the morning and... Now listen, there were two types of disciplines in Jesus' life. Disciplines of abstinence, things he withdrew from. And then disciplines of engagement, things he participated within. I'm just going to read some of them to you. And I want you to see how easily this can feel overwhelming. And until you understand the paradox, this will paralyze you. The disciplines of abstinence that Jesus said, I want you to follow that I lived in, were times of solitude and, and silence, times of fasting, learning to have a contentment in a world that has none, purity in every realm, secrecy, meaning 
I don't have to tell anybody who I am. I don't need to boast about anything. I, I let God be who he is in me and let others think what they will. A living a life of sacrifice. He gave his life. What, what a sacrifice. And contentment. Contentment is such a... Uh, boy, you talk about something absent in the culture. These are disciplines that Jesus lived every day. And then there were disciplines of engagement. Studying God's word, which he did from a child. Prayer, worship, generosity and service. Confession. In Jesus' case, saying what God said about him and about you and me. In our case, it transcends just that which is important. Saying how God speaks about you in everyday life. That's a discipline of Jesus. Is that you don't talk about yourself the way you feel. You talk about yourself in light of how he says you are. Because you're yoked to him. And then he said, confess your faults one to another. These are all disciplines of engagement that Jesus lived in. Submission to God. Jesus submitted to God. He even submitted to his parents. And, and also the engagement discipline of celebrating. When did these disciplines of Jesus stop being light and, if you will, as he said, an easy yoke and a light burden and become a hard yoke and a heavy burden? When did that happen in, 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 in the church history age? Where, where did this come from? Where is it that these relational dynamics in Jesus' life? Everyone say relationship. This is so important. Say it again, relationships. Every one of these disciplines are relational. Here's how we think of them. I have to get up every day and have solitude, silence, fasting, contentment, purity, secrecy, sacrifice, contentment, study, prayer, worship, generosity, and service, confession, submission, celebration. I can't remember those. Now, some of you detail people, I have it to memory. I can't find my memory sometimes. (laughs) I can't even remember them, let alone, oh, I'm going to do that every day? I can't, when am I going to do, I don't have time. But that's not how a relationship works, is it? Relationships don't need all of these all the time. Jesus said, I'm going to lead you to the discipline that you need right now. Because that's the one I want to, that will help you to, to find peace and rest. And that's why there's never a one-size-fits-all. That's why the dynamic of a relationship is so unique. Any close friendship, any parent-child relationship, any spousal relationship, they are so unique and dynamic because people are unique. And through our 33 years of marriage, every one of these that I just shared with you can, can transmit easily into a relationship. And I can tell you that in these 33 years, there were times I needed different things from Michelle than I needed at other times. And she was able to willfully and choose to give me those things because I needed them. And and, and, and I've been able to do the same for her, not perfectly, but we've done our best. But when you see them as something you have to do every day, they become this terrible, heavy burden. So let me take you into church history very, very briefly. And I mean briefly. And I want to show you three phases of church history that took the disciplines of Jesus that existed first, and we're going to talk about the early church and how they got to where they are today. And if you can understand this paradox, God by his power today, please, please hear my heart. The power of God today, this isn't a church service. This is God himself, not a person, God himself who's with you and loves you, wanting to make you free. 
wanting you to see that you can follow Jesus, not an epiphany of one day, but a lifestyle to take you somewhere that he longs to take you. You remember this. He longs for your freedom so far beyond what you would ever long for. Father, I speak life over these wonderful people. Whether people under the sound of my voice are walking with you or they don't even know you, wherever they find themselves, I pray today, open their heart to see this. Because if they see your goodness, if they see what it means to walk with intimacy with you, we will run toward it. We'll yield to this fully because it's, it's life. It's not burdensome. Lord, deliver us from the lie that walking with you relationally to living as you lived, that, 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 that deliver us from that lie that it's become this heavy burden, that it's become this heavy yoke. Deliver people from that, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. In the early church, the disciplines were, were relational. Say it out loud, relational. In their purpose and in their development, and they had as much individual variation as the parts of your body, of which I just spoke. Now remember this. I don't, I don't know how to, to overemphasize this. In, in the ministry of Jesus, in the way he lived, in the way the early church lived, in the way they were taught by Jesus, listen, the disciplines were not the measure of your spirituality. But they actually were a constant recognition of your weakness. See, most people would think if somebody said, I have a devotional life that I pray and read and do all these things and it takes me two hours every day and I never miss a day for 40 years, you would say, wow, that's a spiritual person. And I would tell you, wow, it's not. Your disciplines are not what define your spirituality. In fact, your disciplines are actually defined by God to take you where you're burdened, where you're weak, where you're difficult, so he can help you. One of the ones he's dealing with me right now is solitude. So I don't know that I need that one. I do. So I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally saying, Lord, help me to, 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 to and it may be for six months. That may be the only one I focus on for six months. See, you won't pray it or read the Bible. Of course I will, but it won't be my focus. Why? Because he's leading me and it's what I need. Well, I don't need that. Well, that's why you have a personal savior. He didn't say be yoked to me and you and him. He said he wants to yoke himself just to you. Now, here's what I want you to see in the early church. Nobody took the measurement, if you will, of their spirituality by their disciplines. All these disciplines are, listen, please, is a doorway into an actual walk with God and intimacy with God and a, and a revelation of his love for you. But it became polluted. It became literally putrefied, if you will, during the monastic age. How many of you have heard of monks? Monks, you know, they go away and they don't talk to anybody for maybe three decades or something crazy like that. And they're holy. They're not holy. It's a perversion. During the monastic age, the disciplines themselves became the measure of spirituality. And the church fell into this horrible dark descent into back-breaking legalism. Legalism is when you try to earn God. Legalism when you try to say, God, look what I did. I did that, 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 that. I'm spiritual. We, we good now? We good? We good? Then the next day you don't get that far. I, I'm horrible. I'm horrible. I'm horrible. Oh, God, God, God. And before long, you just give up. The monastic age, they celebrated the disciplines as the measure of spirituality. It was a descent into, as I said, backbreaking legalism and an absolute perversion of the disciplines of Jesus. I'm not telling you that their desire toward God wasn't correct. I'm telling you that they perverted the yoke of Jesus fully.
They switched it from easy and light to hard and heavy. Let me say that again. They switched this from easy and light to hard and heavy. Let me tell you of one of the, of the early church fathers. In, in, he lived uh, in, 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 from 390 to 459. He was a monk. His name was Simeon. I don't have time to give you the context, but monks used to live alone in the desert. And finally they would create these communities where they would come together. But they would still live in this odd way. Now, Simeon today has been venerated as a saint in the Coptic church. What does that mean? That means the way he lived was so, literally, to the Coptic church to, to, to this day, was such a reflection of someone who was devoted to God that they, they made him and venerated him as a saint. But let me tell you how Simeon lived. Simeon, I have no I'm sure he had a great heart for God. But he flipped it. He made easy and light, hard and heavy. He first built a six-foot-high platform, and he lived only on that platform for, for literally years. And he had disciples that would follow him because he was so disciplined. But Simeon is said to have said this: "This isn't enough." And can I tell you, your own efforts will never be enough. So he and his disciples literally built a sixty-foot kind of platform if you will tower with this small platform on top and he lived for 37 years never coming down on that platform no roof exposed to the sun the rain the heat the cold Simeon would would his bodily waste he would do in a bucket in his disciples climbing a ladder and would take it away and this is holy he said, well, that's crazy. I want to show you how it's affected you today, how it's affected me today. Simeon bound himself with ropes because it wasn't enough just to be on a platform with talking to no one, speaking to no one for 37 years. Simeon tied himself up with ropes so he would feel bound because that's how you love God. You, 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 go, you defecate in a bucket. And you put ropes on your arm and live on a platform and don't talk. And the perversion of the disciplines of Jesus became venerated and worshipped and so much so that he's considered a saint to this day. I'm not doubting his heart. The ropes that bound Simeon hand and foot were dug into his flesh and, they, and his flesh became rotting and putrefied and worms began to crawl out of his skin. When the worms would fall, here's when Simeon would speak, he would pick up a worm and he would put it back in the wound and he would say, eat what God has given you. He is venerated as a saint. Why? Because I couldn't live that way. Look how he was devoted to God. And I don't doubt his heart. I, I really don't. But I want you to understand this perverted concept of the disciplines of Jesus horribly influences today both Christians and non-Christians alike because somehow that scene is holy and it's not holy. I wonder what Simeon could have done had he lived like Jesus and he actually served people. And he lived in a world, but Simeon was so hatred, had such a self-hatred of any, anything in him that wasn't godlike. He, ex he literally created total isolation. So how does that affect you and me today in, in the present day church? What's happened today is that we have now have largely rejected these disciplines as an overreaction to the legalism that Christians have historically embraced. Go into church history and look at any major denomination that venerates saints 
and listen and, and study some of their practices. It wasn't that they were crazy. They loved God, but they didn't know how to walk with Him. The paradox, the paradox drove them to make the measure of their spirituality, their disciplines. And when that's the case, then no discipline could be too much. And today people had the same feeling that Simeon had. God, I, I could just never do enough for you. God, how could I ever know you and walk with you? How could it be? How, God, how could this ever be in my life? How can I know you? And if we're not careful, we do either what Simeon did. We try to create such a narrow life that we no longer represent the way Jesus lived. Jesus walked in, among people. He said, I'm criticized as being a gluttonous man and a drunkard because I hang out with people that are, that's who they are. And the, and, the, and the religious ones, the Pharisees, who were like Simeon, they lived in a very narrow way. And Jesus said they were literally full of hell. But they looked like they were full of heaven. Can I tell you that when you're full of hell, those who look like heaven look like they're full of hell. That's why they said Jesus had a demon. And he rejected that your disciplines are what make you right with God. It would be Jesus that would make you right with God. So what do you do when you feel like we all feel and you look at a holy God? What do I do? I want you to grasp one simple understanding. And then I'm very quickly just going to read you five simple things that you need to just impart to your life. But first, can I, can I help you? Please grasp this with your heart. I, let me pray over you. Father, I pray. Open the hearts of men and women right now to hear these words not from a pastor but from the heart of heaven and if they will believe this and Holy Spirit you will, you, will, you will saturate their heart with this truth it will change the path they're on they will choose to be yoked with you Jesus because they will long for the place you will take them please remember this and understand that God in heaven the maker of the universe desires to be intimate and know you infinitely beyond what you desire to know him God longs for you in ways that you will never be able to match in your longing for him it's not even in the same ballpark any parent knows what that feels like at some level my children as they get older my daughter Alexis here and she lives with us right now which is a joy to me but not so much to her not because she doesn't love us, but she's okay. You know, I'm about to that point in my life where I get to, I love you guys, <laughs> but I'm obsessed. I love her. And she's polite and kind. I see her in the morning. I go, Alexa, like I just saw her the first time in my life. She's like, hi. She can never, ever, 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 ever love me like I love her. Ever. She can never long for me like I long for her. Ever. No matter how. She's a wonderful girl. It's not possible. And you'll never long for God like he longs for you. Never. And when you believe that, oh my, you'll see the disciplines of Jesus as something that you'll lean toward because they aren't a list. They're actually a pathway to take you to a light where to a life where you're yoked with the one that died for you and to take you to the place where you find everyone say I find I, I don't God help me I don't know how to give you this concept where you find your way 
not it's imposed on you by some religion or by another group of people who tell you what you have to do you find the things that matter for you that God called you to be and do with your life you find it people desire long to know the intimacies of what God wants for them and Jesus said if you just 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 be yoked to me so let me take you quickly five simple things as to how to take his yoke upon you and be a disciple of Jesus simple number one intimate relationships are daily say that loud daily real intimacy requires time together great friends spend time together intimacy doesn't always mean you have a thousand hours together sometimes you'll be quickly going somewhere and I'll pick up the phone or Michelle or I'll call hey honey I'm on my way I love you just had a second just wanted you to know but if I got here I love you I'll talk to you tomorrow goodbye bye click 60 seconds done it, it see people see a relationship with God as a beginning and an end instead of an ongoing daily thing but it needs to be daily not because you have to but because you get to secondly start your time daily and let me say time don't think in terms of hours think in terms of minutes that's how relationships are well, I spend an hour with the Lord every morning and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that if that works for you wonderful but but as good as that is and it is good and I'm not suggesting change it I want you to understand that isn't that length of time that you do and you connect and you're done and you did your gig for the day it is a focus every day of the world secondly by simply starting I don't care if it's 10 minutes just start with this sit and focus and thank God that he made you right through Jesus before him so what do you mean by that I, I, there's not, here, here, let me make it simple and, and talk to God like he's your father not some distant religious King James version thing please don't talk to God like oh thou lordest talk to God he's your father imagine if one of my kids my daughter said oh fatherest how, how art thou as todayest I'd be like baby you eat something get you high what's wrong with you right start father thank you that you love me thank you that you want me here I'm not here because I've been drugged here I'm here because you rescued me how is it that you who are so holy would rescue someone like me how is it someone who needed nothing from me loved me so deeply that when my sin would separate me forever, you died for me. How can it be that you love me that deeply? How can it be that you took my sin and made me right with you because of Jesus? How can this be? Lord, my mind will never wrap around it, but Lord, help me today to let my heart believe the unimaginable love you have for me. I thank you for loving me like this. I thank you for that. That's called a devotional life. Thirdly, simply do this find one scripture as you're reading through that really touches your heart and take it with you all day most people say I'm reading through the Bible in one year nothing wrong with that but can I tell you 99% of people just try to get through it gotta get through my chapter gotta get through my chapter gotta get okay, okay da, 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 da. did my chapter what did God speak to your heart about well nothing but I did my chapter it's like Simeon on the tower no no take one verse 
and, 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 and either pick, take a picture of it in your phone or copy it in your phone or cap, you know, screenshot it off your Bible app, whatever, and walk around all day. It just, you're going up in an elevator and you just take it out and you read it. You say, Lord, talk to my heart today about this all day. 90 seconds, you're done. Yeah, but that's not really serious with God. Yeah, it is. It's learning to, that it's intimate all day long. He doesn't leave you when you go to work and he only wants to talk to you when you're just have a, a cup of coffee at four in the morning. Let me give you one scripture that I would take into prayer that for every one of us, I don't care if you've been a Christian for a day or for a decade or for five decades. Let me read you a scripture. First John 4, verse 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What if you just, for a week, that's all you did. And every time you went to read it, Holy Spirit, teach me what I need to see. And you read it. You're in your car. And it's, you say, I need to memorize the verse. Don't try to memorize the verse. Spend time with God and let him, let him imprint it on your heart, not your brain. A lot of people memorize, memorize Bible verses here that never impact them here. They educate their heads at the expense of their heart. God doesn't want you with a head full of knowledge. He wants you with a heart fully captured by him. Then lastly this, don't complicate his love for you. Don't make this complicated. Just receive it. You can't earn this. Don't try. Don't go build your tower with Simeon and put worms back in your flesh. The monastic age has so perverted the disciplines of Jesus that the response today still keeps people back from them. And it's my hope that you'll see these disciplines as an intimacy with God. I want to pray over you a scripture. We're at all of our campuses, if you're not traffic and you're online just close your eyes right now and I don't want you to hear the words of a person these are the words of Jesus and I want you to hear him speaking to you right now because this is his desire for you and I'm going to read the verse we read earlier but out of the message translation which is just a modern day vernacular and I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you Holy Spirit I pray over every person now let these words go past their mind into their heart let these words, whether they know you or don't, whether they're far from you or, or, or walking with you as closely as they know how or wherever they are in that, in, that, in, in that horizon. Let these words so penetrate their soul that this is the cry of God for, for them, toward them in intimacy. Just with your eyes closed and your heads bowed let these words be spoken as if the son of God was face to face with you and here's what he's saying to you are you tired are you worn out are you burned out on religion come to me get away with me and you will recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me work with me Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and you will learn to live lightly. Father, I pray that those words 
by now the power and presence of your spirit you are the teacher holy spirit of the church i pray that you break through the darkness of religion in our lives i pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding that we would see this truth so that we could be yoked to the one who gave his life for us and he would take us to places we never dreamed possible oh how faithful you are lord how faithful you are we worship you we worship you lord i thank you that they will find rest for their souls not by making these disciplines their spirituality but the opposite just loving you and letting you love them first and lord i pray that this becomes a daily lifestyle because you you love us every day of every moment Help us to yield and lean into you, not away from you. Help us, help people today to lean into you when they've had their worst day. Help people to lean into you when they've done the worst that they thought they could do and never thought they would do it, but they did it anyway and they feel like they're just so dirty that there's nothing you would do for them. Help them to lean into your love, not on the good days only, but on the days when everything in their senses, every feeling they have, say that a holy God would want nothing to do with you. Jesus, reveal your love to that depth in the hearts of men and women today. Wherever they hear my voice, we worship you. In a moment, we're going to stand at all of our campuses and worship God together. Don't get in a hurry. I'm telling you in these moments, God can do in you in a moment what generations cannot fix in a moment he can bring you to freedom because he desperately loves you and in these times when we worship God and this song we're about to sing is actually a declaration of this heart let the words come out of your mouth as a declaration stop looking at you and look at him stop measuring yourself by yourself and measure yourself by his love and realize that he's desperate for you Say it out loud in all of our campuses. Say it out loud. He's desperate for me. Say it again. God's desperate for me. Just like I am. Father, thank you for that. In all of our campuses, would you stand together and let's go into his presence and declare this in worship and let God do something great in your soul and let's see what he wants to do by his spirit in all of our campuses right now as we wait on his presence god do what you desire to do among us now we worship you come on worship him with all your heart thank you for listening to this podcast from victory family church if you enjoyed listening please take a moment to rate review and share for more resources including locations and service times please visit lifeatvictory.com.